Can I get another chance? Is there something more? What are you asking of me, God? How do I move forward? Where do I find the answer? Help my family. What is my purpose? What is God's plan for me? I want to welcome all of our campuses to an exciting brand new series called One-to-One -One Encounters with Jesus. Come on, can we just welcome all of our campuses joining us? So excited to have you guys. You know, we are, we are starting a six-week series during Lent all the way up to Good Friday. And then, of course, uh, we'll have Easter weekend services all weekend at all of our campuses. And in this series, we are going to be asking some questions. In this series, we're gonna be asking questions such as this. Matter of fact, I had a conversation with a guy one time, and he told me this. He said, Pastor, I, I used to have a real fervency and a relationship with Christ. He said, but I really blew it. I made some poor choices. He said, man, I'm just so far out there. Here's the question. He says, can God give me another chance? We're gonna be looking at an apostle. Listen, one of the, I'm talking inner circle of Jesus that blew it big time, big time. God gave him another chance. We're going to be answering questions like this. How, how can I get out of the pain, the deep pain that I'm in? Here's another one. Can I still make a difference with my life? How about this one? God, my son is demon-possessed. This is in the Bible. Can you help me with him? It's interesting when I begin to think about all these questions that, that, that we ask in the Bible, but I also think about the questions that God asks us. Now, let me help everybody. Whenever God asks us a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. For example, you think when God looked at Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? Do you think it's because he didn't know? Jesus, where's Adam? I need some angels to help me out. See behind a bush? No. The reason why God asks us questions is because God wants us to realize where we are. He wants us to locate ourselves the fact is, is that questions bring proximity. I heard a guy say one time, he said, he who asks the questions leads the discussions. What I find is, who asks the questions gets closer to the one in whom they're asking. So in this series, we're going to ask questions of God. By the way, I want to help everybody. God is not threatened by our questions. Read the book of Psalms. David, I mean, he, he asked all kinds of questions. I mean, by the way, there's 66 books in the Bible. 65 books in the Bible are primarily God speaking to mankind. One book in the Bible is primarily mankind speaking to God, and that's the book of Psalms. Listen, God is not threatened by our questions. I think back in my life, I think about all those times and seasons when I've had questions, I've had all kinds of questions, you know. By the way, the why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why is this not happening to them? What I have found as I've walked with Christ a number of years is that you can get hung up in the why stage. Why is this happening to me? Why didn't this happen to me? We get, that, that becomes somewhat of a comparison stage. What I'm finding is a better question is not why, but what now? What do I do now, God? Where do I go from here, God? So we're going to be asking some questions, and what we're going to find is in these six encounters with Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to be sticking in the Gospels, studying six encounters that Jesus has with different people, watch us, where they have questions, but where he as well asks questions of them. Speaking of questions, 
It's interesting, I heard a story about a guy who was an usher at a church, and we love our dream team, we love all the people that are ushers and greeters. How many of y'all are grateful for all the volunteers at Church of the King? We're so grateful. Every one of our campuses, we love you guys. Man, it's great, in the rain, man, you come in, you people see the people in the parking lot, you know, and you're like, thank God for them, and thank God it's not me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We're so grateful for all of you that serve on the dream team. And as, thinking about this usher, this usher had this discussion with this lady walked into the church and, and, and he was gonna find her a seat. And he says, well, ma'am, where would you like to sit? And she said, she said, I would like to sit on the very front row. To which he said to her, ma'am, listen, in all due respect, our preacher's pretty boring and you tend to fall asleep. People can fall asleep and I don't want everybody looking at you. Is there another place you'd like to go? To which she said, do you know who I am? Question. To which he replies and says, no, I don't. She then responds and says, I'm the, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> to which he immediately responds with this question, do you know who I am? To which she says, no. He says, good, God bless you. I'll see you later. And he got out of there. <laughs> the power, the power of questions. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. It's interesting. I was studying and getting ready for this series and looking at different encounters, about 42 different encounters that I found in the Gospels that Jesus had with different people. And I went back and I looked, I, I used to preach on yellow notes. Those of you that were in our church for a long time, uh, in the first five years, I had these yellow legal pads that I would write all my notes out. And, and so I have all that filed on Evernote. And then I went all through all about 15 years on computers, all the different messages. I've never preached a full message. I've referenced this person, I've re but I've never preached a full message in Mark chapter five, I want to talk to you today about what is classically known as the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood, how she pressed through the crowd that day. She had a need and she pressed through the crowd and the Bible says to get a hold of the hem of the garment of Jesus. Mark chapter five, I'm gonna read a little bit more scripture than I usually do uh, to give you guys context. I'm gonna begin in verse 25 and I'm gonna to go to verse 34, okay? If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along uh, right here as well. Mark chapter five, verse 25 through 34. We're gonna to talk to you today about the woman. There's a woman and she had an issue of blood. What did she do with this issue? The Bible says in Mark chapter five, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. It's a long time. Not a month, not two months, not three months, not a year, not two years. 12 years, 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had tried to get help, she couldn't get help. She had spent also all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. Look at the next verse. It says, when she heard about Jesus, I don't know how she heard about Jesus, she heard about this rabbi, this teacher that was going throughout these towns. And she heard about that he wasn't only a teacher, but he was also a miracle worker, signs and wonders, healing people, and, and opening deaf ears and feeding miraculously people. And she started to move towards this man. The Bible says she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Next verse, verse 29, immediately, when she touched him, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately, isn't that amazing, that transaction that took place, immediately in her body and immediately in his body. He felt power going out, she felt power coming in. 
I would say divine, human, dynamic, supernatural transaction. She felt it, he felt it. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? There's the question. Who touched my clothes? Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging around you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had just happened to her, came and, and, and fell before him and told him the whole truth. Last verse, verse 34. I love this verse. This verse is so powerful. And he said to her, matter of fact, at all of our campuses here at Little Creek and our South Shore, Gulf Coast, online, our new Baton Rouge campus, which we're so excited about. I want you guys at the count of three, I want us to re read because this is so powerful. This part, I want us to start with daughter. We'll read the whole verse. I want you to hear what you're saying at the count of three. One, two, three. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want to talk to you today about what is classically known as the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was teaching on the western side of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. If you've been to Israel, Galilee's in the northern part of Israel. Beautiful, beautiful setting. I've been there multiple times. He was teaching by the seaside and this, this, this crowd gathered around him, which was characteristic of the teaching of Jesus. And people would come because, because he had solutions. He had answers. They had questions. They had needs. He had power. They had questions. He had answers. And, and there was this reputation, this developing reputation with this Jewish rabbi as he taught the multitudes that, that things happened. There, there were miraculous things that, that, that happened. And this woman, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how she found out about him. The Bible doesn't tell us, uh, you know, if, if she had a cousin or she had somebody that was in one of his meetings, but the Bible does say that she heard about it. Now, unique to her, interestingly about her, there was, there was some things that she was carrying. And I want to begin to unpack what the story says in three ways. Number one, I want to talk to you about her pain. Look what the Bible says. Number one, I want to talk to you about the pain that she was experiencing. Look at verse 25. This is important. The Bible says, now there was a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. I want you to just think about that for a moment. This week I did a bunch of study and reading commentaries and it was interesting. There was no theologian, there was no scholar, there was no church father, early church. There was nobody that could identify exactly what it was, the illness that she was carrying, the malady, the, the infirmity. Some believe that there was some sort of an internal infirmity that was causing a slow hemorrhage. They, they, they really didn't know. But here's what they all unanimously agreed, that it was impacting her in such a way. I want you to think about this, that for 12 years she was bleeding. I want you to think about how long that is. I, I never forget about, oh man, probably seven or eight years ago, uh, I, I had a cough. I had a cough through the winter time for like seven or it was like six weeks. And I just, I, I would come, I do all kind of stuff before I would preach, you know, I'd drink things and, you know, I'd take lozenges and stuff and, 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 and I would come out and I remember, I thought to myself after week one, week two, week three, remember, I mean, like my voice is important for what, what we, what I do. And I'm like, my gosh, can you imagine not just six weeks, but six years? How about 12 years? How about much more than a cough, but a, 
a flow of blood. Now, unique to that, there was actually four different challenges. Number one, physically, she was in pain. Think of her oxygen levels. I mean, what was going out of her? I mean, just, 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 just think of that. So physiologically, I mean, just the impact and how tired she must have felt all the time. I mean, just, just think of how that was impact. But not just physically, think about, think about spiritually. Those of you that know a little bit about the Old Testament, if you read in the book of Leviticus, somebody that, that has a flow of blood, the, 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 the Bible actually deemed them spiritually, think about this, unclean. Luke 15, you can, or actually Leviticus 15. You can read what would qualify somebody as being deemed spiritually unclean. And because of that, they would actually have to live outside the family, outside the tribe, outside the community. So, so it wasn't just the physiological impact, but it was the spiritual impact that she was dealing with. Everybody that would see her, oh, that's the woman that's unclean. She's unclean. Yeah, she's unclean. Look at the woman. She's unclean. That's her. Get, get away unclean. So physically, spiritually, but not only that, think about emotionally. The Bible doesn't say if she was married or not, or if she had kids or not, but, but I got to tell you, if she did, think about the estrangement that she felt disenfranchised from her family, from her husband, her kids. She couldn't go to a birthday party. She couldn't go anywhere. So she would hear about it, but she couldn't go to it. She couldn't attend to it. So, so physiologically, she was impacted. Spiritually, she was deemed unclean. Emotionally, the, the, the fracturing in her soul, the emotional tears and the rips, the relational tensions that she felt by not being able to be with those that she loved. But how about the mental torment? all the thoughts that she had to grapple with, all the, all the thoughts of what do people think about me and am I, ever, am, I ever going to, am I ever going to feel normal again? You ever been there before? I've had conversations with people. I said, Pastor, honestly, look, I know I'm going to heaven, but I just want to feel normal. There was a ripping in my soul. There was a tearing in my life, a relational tearing in my heart, and I carry around. I'm not bleeding physically, but I feel like I've been bleeding emotionally. I feel like when I go to church, it's it's almost as like there's a camera on me and everybody is looking at me. Have you ever been there before where you have felt the the emotional bleeding or the mental tearing? Think, think Think about what she was going through. All of us in life experience pain at some level, but... But this was like an incessant, recurring, it, it, was like an, it, was, it, was, it was like year after year after year. And let me tell you what happens with pain. When we experience long-term pain, there's often a choice that we make. I don't know if it's conscious. I don't know if it's subconscious, kind of what of an evasive action where we, 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 start, evading, we start evading and avoiding people and we kind of go into somewhat of a hole. You, you know what I'm talking about? Because we know that people are talking about us. So we, we, we kind of we recoil and we wall ourselves off. And, 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 and yet Jesus could be walking by us, but, but we don't reach out. Or somebody could be there that wants to help us, but we're scared to reach out. We're scared to reach out. We're scared to reach out because of what happened one time. Well, I don't want that to happen again. Maybe, it's, maybe sometimes it's apathy because we've become so comfortable in our pain. Let me say this, so accustomed to our pain, our pain is now naming us and our pain has now become our identity. Remember I spoke a couple weeks ago about the children of Israel in the wilderness and, and, and here it was, they were delivered from the Egyptian bondage and, 
God raised up Moses to deliver them and they were supposed to have an 11 day journey. They ended up 40 years in the wilderness and it was like they would come to these moments, these, these moments where they were, would, would hit some walls and all of a sudden they would tell their leader, we wish we were back in Egypt. In other words, we were more comfortable identifying with our past bondage than our present freedoms. Boy, isn't that interesting. How many times do we get our identity rooted in our dysfunction? And we allow that dysfunction to name us. We, we allow that, 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 that thing to name, well, that's who I'm gonna be. I'm always gonna be like that, and that's who I am. Says who? The pain says that to us. Pain wants to name you. Your sickness wants to name you. Your dysfunction wants to name you. This woman, all we know about her, she was the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe it's not apathy. Maybe it's, maybe it's unbelief. Oh, pastor, I believe that God could, but I don't believe he would. I believe he really can, but I'm not sure he wants to. I mean, I had somebody else, somebody else, pastor, they were, they were in a similar situation. They prayed about it, but nothing happened for them. What makes me think that something would happen for me? So it undermines our faith. Do you see that? It undermines our confidence to go to God and pray about this thing. Because why? Because we compare ourselves. And, the, and, and what happens is there's a deep-seated unbelief that lodges in our soul. It, it, it lodges. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's an over-identification with our pain. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it's just hopelessness. Do you know that you can see hope in somebody's eyes? You can look in their eyes and there's a flicker, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a flicker of, of, of hope. I, I can't explain it, but as a pastor, I've sat down, I've had so many discussions and so many different conversations, and in my own life, the things that I've dealt with, the pains that I've dealt with, the times where I know where the enemy is trying to sing that song of hopelessness to me, and there's something in the eyes, the Bible says the eyes, don't miss this, the eyes are the window to the soul. Like the mouth reveals the heart, the eyes reveal the soul of what you're thinking and what you're believing. And there's something about, there's something about that hopelessness that, 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 that comes. What I found is, is it's somebody that gets in a hopeless situation. That's why we gotta contend for our brothers and sisters. That's why those that are in our small group, we've gotta watch somebody that's slipping down that pathway of hopelessness and we gotta do everything we can to put our arms around them. Everything we can to say, no, 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 not on my watch, you're not going down that path. No, no, whatever I've got to do, no, I, I'm going to do everything within me humanly possible to make sure that you don't slide down that slip and slide of hopelessness. The Bible says that she was a woman, she was in pain. Let me give you the second thing about her. Not only was she in pain, but she also had a unique problem. And the problem was, look at verse 26. She had suffered many things from many physicians. Now the physicians were not inflicting the pain. The physicians were attending to the pain, attending to the problem. The Bible says she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. It's interesting when you think about this. It's interesting in Bible times, if you understand a little bit about the Bible, that, that, that we, they didn't have like MDs and doctors. and they, they didn't have that. They had, and I say this respectfully, but almost like local medicine men. You know what I'm talking about? Like on the frontier range. Uh, in, in the United States, you know, you'd have people that, you know, if you dig, take this, drink this. Matter of fact, my, and I say disrespect, my grandma, she's like, she's like a medicine woman. I, you know, I mean, like, I'd have the flu. Drink this garlic. How does the garlic heal the flu, grandma? I, 
But we did this in Galliano in the 1930s, but we're not in the 30s and we have different things. And so she, you, 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 did you have a grandma like that? She had like little potions. You, you know what I'm talking about? If you eat this, click your heels together. I mean, I'm just telling you, I'm just being honest. And so this woman, you'd go to a doctor and you'd try this. And then you go to this doctor, well, you'd try this. Again, they didn't have penicillin. They didn't have all this stuff. They, they, but, and so they would do the best that they could. The Bible says because of that, she spent all that she had. And rather grew worse. So she had a problem. She had a problem because she had done everything that she could in the natural and there was, no, there was no fix in sight. There was no relief in sight. And because of that, watch this, in her mind and in her reality, she was facing an impossible situation. I had a person one time talking to me about, they were in a situation, I said, Pastor, I'm, I'll be, I, I've exhausted all of my resources, I've thought about everything to do, and I, I, I simply, have nothing else that I can do. To which I said, and I didn't say this to be disrespectful, I, I was trying to be an encouragement, you're now a candidate for a miracle. When you've done everything that you can do, and we need to do with everything we can do, trust me. But when you've done everything what you can do, and you've, and you've actually, she's growing worse, you're a candidate. I'll never forget, well, last week, by the way, at our Baton Rouge campus, I had the opportunity uh, to go up there, and it was great. We're so excited about that. Easter weekend, we're going public live. You can send people up there now. Uh, it's just incredible, a miracle uh, that God's given us in South Baton Rouge. And, and uh, it's interesting, I was speaking last weekend, uh, and one of the texts that I used in Genesis chapter 12, it was the text about Abram and Sarah, who later became Sarai and Abraham a father of many nations. And I talked about the impossibility that they faced based upon what God said. And what God said was, is that you were gonna be a father of many nations. What God's promise was, is that you were gonna be a father. What God's promise was, is that Sarah would be a mother. The problem was, is that she was barren. The, 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 the pain was, is that she was barren. So they had a choice. And we have a choice. And she had a choice. And all of us have a choice. The choice is, do we put more faith in God's promise or do we put more faith in our pain and our problems? Romans chapter four talks about against hope. Abram believed. Look what it says. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abram. God told him, God promised him that, that he was gonna be a father. But the problem was, is that his wife was barren. The problem was, she was past the age of childbearing. The problem was, they were unable to have kids for years. So they were faced with a promise and a problem. Every single day, you and I are faced with, what are we gonna believe? There was no reason for hope. You ever been there before? That's where some of you are right now. No reason for hope, no reason. Yet Abraham kept hoping. In other words, he hoped against hope, believing that he would become the father of many nations, not because anything in the natural indicated that they were getting close to that. And that's how, and for God has said, for God had said, for God had said, promise. Everybody say promise. Say problem. There's the choice every day. It's a choice that you've got to make, a choice that I've got to make. It's a promise from God 
and there's a problem we face. There's a promise from God and there's pain that we face. For God says, you shall have descendants. That's how many descendants you'll have. Look at the next verse, verse 19. And Abraham's faith did not waver or weaken, even though about 100 years of age, 25 years after the promise, there was still no promised child. Even though it seemed like their bodies were, as, 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 they were, they were dead, it seems like, how was this even gonna happen? Look at the next verse, I love it. Abraham never wavered in believing God's word. He, he, he's like, I'm, I'm just gonna have to stand, I'm just gonna believe God. I will say this, it's an interesting verse here because there were times when he got real close to wavering. If you read the Bible, it's really interesting here where we get weak in our faith at times and yet weak faith and strong faith are not evidenced, watch this, by our physical body, but it's evidenced often by what comes out of our mouth. And what I mean by that is, even in the natural, when it doesn't look possible, that's why what comes out of our mouth, I still believe all things are possible. Are y'all with me? I, you, you still have, I, even though it doesn't look, cognitively speaking, you've done all the scenario plannings and you've, and, and, and you've run down every trail, but you've got, but just, I believe. Everybody say, I believe. Say, I believe. I still have to believe God's word. Recently, I heard a story about a woman, Miss Jerry. She could be in service here today. She's at one of our campuses, and um, she was facing a massive physical problem. And she was on a ventilator, and they called some pastors over on our team, and they prayed for her and laid hands. And she had a good spirit. She was excited about life. You know, she was actually sharing Christ with some of the nurses. And, but as much as she could communicate, and they just began to pray, and the family began to pray, and they just began to just believe God. It's like, when, listen, when all you have left, why not try? Pray and believe in God. May God be my witness. Three weeks after that, just a miracle. She walked in the doors of the church. She was worshiping Jesus during uh, the song and the worship time. Why? Because God is able to take impossible situations and turn them around. God's able to do that. How many are grateful that God can do that? Now, immediately, I know what some people think. Oh, pastor, come on. That's hocus pocus. I prayed for some people and they died. And I have too, but I prayed for some people and they've lived. It's not my job to heal. It's my job to pray. Are y'all with me? It's our job to keep speaking the word. It's our job to keep believing. Our job to keep standing upon the promise. Our job to focus on God's promise and not our problems. It's our job to do what God says that we can do. And it's God's job for him to do what only he can do. I want to stand in faith. I want to stand in faith at what God says. So, number one, she was in pain, and the problem was is that she had, she had spent all that she had. But what, what happens with number three? Check this out. Number three, though, she possessed something. There was a persistent faith that she possessed. Stay with me. There was a persistent faith. A persistent faith. It's not that one time she prayed. There was, so, there was something in this woman there was a persistence. Look at the verse 27 and 28. This is, this is, this is the evidence of persistent faith. <laughs> the evidence of persistent faith. The Bible says, and when she heard about Jesus, I don't know how she heard about him. The Bible doesn't give us an indication of where she heard about Jesus, but she heard. She heard that he was not only a teacher, but he was a healer. And she was gonna make it, you can call it this way, she was gonna beeline it over to him. She was gonna get to Jesus. She had a problem and she knew that he had the solution. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. 
And she touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made. Everybody say it well. Interesting when you think about this. She, she, she was in that crowd that day. Stay with me. She was in that crowd that day, and there was all kind of resistance against her, right? But she rose above the noise of the crowd. She rose above the inconvenience of the crowd. You ever been in a crowd before? Oh man, you get in a crowd, you're trying to get somewhere. I went to a Saints game uh, in the, in the uh, uh, fall and we were in the middle, we were in the kind of the concourse area on the loge level and it was so crowded, nobody was moving. And I thought to myself, I could clear this out if I just start worshiping right now. I just thought, if I just say, Jesus is alive, you know, he's weird. I mean, I just thought I, just thought I could just do something. I didn't do it. But I don't, I don't know about you, man, but, but when, I, when you get in a crowd, how do you feel? Is it a little anxious? Even talking about it, I feel anxious right now. But you gotta make a choice. She made a choice. Listen, there's noises in all of our heads and inconveniences that we all grapple with to want to get us to stay back and not push through the crowd. How many times is... God laid out a promise to us, but yet we've got we've to inconvenience ourselves a little bit in order to get to the solution to the problem. And yet we're unwilling at times. We're unwilling to push through the, the busyness of life sometimes to get to We've got the problem. He's got the solution. What is it keeping us back from getting to Christ? Is it our mindsets? Is it our, is, is it our apathy? Is it our life? Pastor, I, want, I, I really want to show. What, what is keeping you back from church? Listen, how many times have I said, Pastor, I'm so glad I came. I haven't been to church in six weeks, but I came today. And every time I come, I'm inspired. I feel a sense of faith. And I'm like, don't wait six weeks again. Can I say that? How many times people say, oh man, I've been in, I just, I miss, I, I miss small groups so much. It's so rich and warm and the presence of God. And boy, I just love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'm just, I'm so busy. That's something in the crowd keeping you back. Well, you know, I know I've had this issue, but I don't want to go to counseling because I just, I, I'm, I'm concerned what people are going to think about me and, and, or I just, what if it gets out? Wait, wait, time out. If, if, if God has an answer and we've got a problem, why don't we bust? Let me just say this, and I'll say this respectfully. Don't tell me that you can't get through a crowd. If you could run three people over at an Orpheus parade to, collect, to catch a little beat, surely you can press through the crowd to get to Jesus. I mean, I've seen some people that have pushed people over in the name of Jesus catching a beat. Don't tell me you can't push through the crowd. It's an issue of priority. You know, when I got saved, I gave my heart to Christ. I, I got saved. I mean, I was 19. I was a freshman in college. I knew I was saved. I knew my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I still was a mess. I still had all kind of junk in the trunk. <laughs> So do you. Don't look so stinking holy. You know what I'm talking about. I, I had stuff in my life. I went to every church service I could. I went to every prayer group. I went to Bible study. I went, you said, well, you were single. Why? Even when I got married. Why? Because I, I, here's what I knew. Here's what I knew. I want to be made well. And I knew I had problems. 
I mean, look, y'all got it good. We, we, we went to church on Sunday morning. We went Sunday night. We went Wednesday. And we had revival meetings. You know, I mean, we just, and then you go every night. I mean, just get, it just, and then you have small group, and then you have prayer meeting. And, but, but let me say, there's something about that. I understand we're busy today, but there's something about how desperate are you to get touched by God? How desperate are you to get touched by God? I mean, if you're just, if we're just a cat and I, if we're just a casual inquirer, let me tell you, something. could you imagine the first time she goes too many people, I'm going home. She'd have went home with her sickness. She'd have went home with her pain. I never forget when I was in Bible school, the preacher, I was so desperate to get well. I knew the junk I had in my soul. I knew my, now I'm a Christian, right? I'm going to heaven. Stay with me, I'm almost finished, this is so important. But I knew that junk, I, 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 knew, I knew that desperate faith gets results. I don't get results, but remember this, God's not moved by our need, he's, removed, he's moved by our faith. It's not our need. There's needs all over the world, but it's, it's beat unto you according to your faith. You've got, somebody, you've got to touch his hem, you've got to reach out. And the fact is, is that I, I remember this one time, this guy got up and I was with my, matter of fact, I was with Pastor Mike Cucci. Who's on it? So we were at Bible school, and, and this guy got up there and he preached about breaking curses and all these different things, and he talked about just different things. And he, and he, he was like, he was kind of being silly, but he goes, I don't know, even if you had an inordinate affection towards Halloween candy, you know, he's kind of being, he goes, his point was, get up here, we need prayer. And I looked at Mike, I'm like, dude, I'm going to get prayer. How about you? He goes, are you serious? My point is, I'm going to get as much prayer as I need to get well. Are you willing to push through the crowd? Or do you give Jesus a chance? Well, I'll give him a chance. Well, stick in your dysfunction then. Stick in your pain, stick in your hurts. Or press through the crowd. All I gotta do is just touch. I'll, I just gotta keep pushing. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Excuse me, I, I, that guy has got something that I need. I'm sick. He's well, and I need to be well. Excuse me, excuse me, I gotta get, excuse me, no, 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 excuse me, I gotta go to Bible study, excuse me, I gotta wake up in the morning, because I'm gonna go to six o'clock in the morning, because I'm gonna get a group of guys, and I'm gonna go to small, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I gotta do whatever I gotta do, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I'm gonna go to church, excuse me, I'm gonna get in my Bible, excuse me, whatever, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me, he's got the answers, I've got the questions, he's got the solution, I got, excuse me, excuse me, I just gotta get close enough to him to touch him, because I need to be healed. Have I provoked you enough? I'm trying to shake you a little bit. I know what it takes. And I'm still in process. And I still want to stay desperate. I still want to stay hungry. I still want to stay thirsty for Jesus. I'll close with this. Verse 29 and 30. Here's what the Bible says. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately. There was a divine transaction here. She felt it immediately, he felt it immediately. Knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he turned around, here's the question, here it is, here it is. Don't miss this. Who touched my clothes? Let me pause there for a moment. Why did Jesus ask her the question? Who touched my clothes? Why? Why did he do that? The fact is, is that if it was just about healing, he could have kept walking. He knew what took place. Why is it that God, why is it that Jesus wanted that woman to step forward and don't miss this and to identify herself? Why, why, why is it? Verse 34 says why. 
And he said to her, daughter, your, everybody say it, faith. Remember what she was known as, an unclean woman. Remember why Jesus did the miracle. The miracle, the point of the miracle was not just her healing in her body, it was also healing in her soul, healing in her mind, healing in her ability to connect with society. Are y'all with me or not? Jesus wanted that whole culture to know, I've cleansed her, she's pure, she's whole, she's healed. No longer did he want her to see herself that way wrong, but he wanted to see herself as I'm whole in God. I am who God says I am. I've been chosen, I've been healed, I've been called by God. Daughter, your faith has made you, everybody say it. Well, the Greek word there is sozo. It means healing, preservation, wellness, soundness, deliverance. It wasn't just about our miracle. It was about a relationship with her. It wasn't just about a miracle in her body, but God wanted to heal her soul, her mind, her self-image, her self-concept. And he wanted to stand her up and say, that's a trophy of my grace. I want everybody to see it. That woman is healed. She's whole. She's not unclean, she's healed. Does everybody see it? I'll close with this, I had a conversation with a guy one time, he said, Pastor, he says, I don't really understand the power of testimony, he says, but I'll tell you one thing, it sure felt good when y'all asked me to do a video, test. he said, it felt good. And I said, why did it feel good? He says, because I was declaring, I was declaring to God what God had done, I was declaring to myself what God had done, and I was declaring to everybody, look, what the Lord has done. How many of y'all grateful for God's grace, God's power? Come on, are y'all grateful? I want you guys to stand. I'm gonna pray for you. This is what it's gonna be for six weeks. Six weeks, bring a friend next week, bring a friend. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads. Let's just come before the Lord. We just got one minute left. If you're in this place today, say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. I wanna pray for you. I promise you I'm not gonna embarrass you. And I'm not gonna do anything, but I, to, to, but I just write where you are. You know who you are. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. I can't save you. Let me be clear. Church of the King cannot save you. Being part of a church doesn't save you. Calling out to Jesus saves you. Saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new. Give me a new heart. 31 years ago, that's what happened. I was 19 years old. I said, Jesus, cleanse me, forgive me. Lord, come into my life. I was a freshman in college. I just cried out. I said, God, I don't wanna live that way. I need to be healed, cleansed. And there comes that moment. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've gone to church for years, but you've never personally trusted Christ. At every one of our campuses, I'm gonna give you literally just, just a few seconds. If, if, if you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm not at peace with God. I wanna surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand up high so I can see it. I'm gonna pray for you and I'll release everybody in just a moment. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see God bless you, ma'am. God bless you as well. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you and you as well. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you, sir, up top. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, up top. God brought you here today, sir. God brought Jesus made sure that you got here today. Every single one of you that are responding. God bless you, ma'am, up top. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray together. Can we do that? 
Can we pray together this prayer? All of us say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this, say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 15 more seconds. But this card, there's a card behind your chair. If you prayed and trusted Christ, your Savior, I'm going to ask you to fill it out. And you just check here. I have decided to follow Jesus. Do one of two things. By the way, our prayer team can come forward. You can give it to one of our prayer team. If you have needs for anything, we're here after every service to pray. Or this card, you can bring it to Guest Central.